Job chapter number 11, let's uh, read, uh, I want to read one verse. Where do you start in John chapter 11? Really, I mean, I'm going to take it for granted that you know your Bibles well enough to know that John chapter number 11 is one of the richest chapters in the Bible. John chapter number 11 is one of the most practical uh, chapters in the Bible. And I'm probably going to read more scripture tonight than some of you have read in a month. But would you bear with me in a lengthy portion of Bible reading. Let's stand as we reverence the word of God. John chapter number 11 verse number 35. Jesus wept. Fathers we bound the wonderful presence of sovereignty tonight. I pray that you'd give me grace as I hold forth the wonderful words of life. Thank you for the good singing we've heard tonight. Thank you for the good spirit that's in this place today. I pray that you'd feel me, help me to be brief and say just exactly what needs to be said and get out of the way and let Brother Simpson come preach to us tonight. I bless you and praise you and I give you all the glory, praise and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. If I did read more scripture than you've read in a month, shame on you, amen. John chapter number 11, Jesus wept. The theme of the sermon tonight would be, if it matters to you, it matters to him. If it bothers you, then it bothers him. If it burdens you, then it burdens him. And if it blesses you, it blesses him. In this text, Christ is weeping, not because Lazarus has died, but because his two sisters are there weeping. He's, he's practicing what he told us to do when he's touched with the feelings of their infirmities. He is the high priest. He is weeping with those that weep. And he has come to the graveside, come to the broken heart of these two sisters. Lazarus has died. You know the story. And uh, we come to this uh, verse number 28 where we'll get our title tonight. And uh, this is Martha coming to Mary after Jesus has come. You know the story. Everybody said that he was four days late. He was right on time. And the Bible said when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Just for a brief moment, I want to preach on this subject. When the Master calls, I'll answer. Makes no matter where you're at in life, when God goes to calling, you better go to answering. This is an unusual Seen in the Bible, it's got Jesus' attention. Lazarus has died. There's nothing particularly special about this death. I mean, he's not a martyr. He's not a teenager that had a car wreck that died and got the whole high school upset. He's not a, he's not a middle-aged preacher that got killed and thousands of people, like Brother uh, the preacher up at Balfour Baptist Church died back in the 70s, and they said the highway was shut down. He was 42, 43 years old when he died. He got everybody's attention. No, it's as common a death as you can get. Lazarus got sick, and he died. Well, what's so special about this Lazarus dying? Well, if it was your brother, it'd be different. If it was your friend, it would be different. I could talk to you all night about Lazarus dying and, and, and it did not grieve me or break my heart because he wasn't my brother. And it happened several thousand years ago. But what if it would have been my brother? I'd be crying my eyes out tonight. What if it was your sister? Or your mama, your papa? 
die death. That makes it so different. Lazarus is a, is a, is is an unusual character, even though there's not much said about him. He he's an inspirer to say the least. When Thomas found out that Lazarus had died, he said, "Let us go that we may also die with him." And I don't know if I've ever, I love a lot of people. I've had my heroes go to heaven. Brother Sammy Allen died, one of my heroes. Brother Stenet Blue, Brother Mary Atkinson. And the list just goes on and on. And I have never one time said, I think I'm going to go die with them. No. But Thomas said, I'm going to go die. So Lazarus must have been some kind of inspiration. He was a believer. He was a brother. He's, he's, he's uh, something going on here, and it's got God's attention. But God calls, and when God calls briefly in salvation, you, you need to answer. When he deals with you about being saved, you need to respond to it. It's a still, small voice of God. And some of you children in here tonight, you've been uh, raised up under the, steep, under the steeple, and the shadow of the steeple, rather, and, and you've never missed a service. You, you know what it is to be in the presence of God. You know what it is to hear wonderful preaching and good singing, and, and you know what it is to be in a Bible-preaching Baptist church, and you hear me testify about me pouring my beer and my liquor out and getting saved and the transformation that God made in my life. You didn't have no beer to pour out, have no liquor to pour out, no pot to flush down the toilet. But one day you got under conviction and the still small voice of God came to where you was and you responded to it and you got saved by the grace of God and here you are. Saved, why? Because the Savior called you. How many of you, I, I want to know, how many of you have never tasted beer? Raise your hand. Look at that. How many of you don't know what it is to smoke pot and do cocaine and marijuana and all that? Well, ain't that a blessing from God? Amen. And how many of you growed up in a good godly home and, and, you, and, and your mom and daddy loved you and your boy and it was good and you, and you went to a good, a great, how many raise your hand right there? Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you really struggled about this thing of salvation when somebody like Brother John came in and preached and talked about the birds singing and the, and the trees bending over and bowing and, and the light shining a lot brighter and, and, and it did in my heart. Uh, but I, I got to tell you how much more I like your testimony better than I do my own. I've got three children. I want them to have one just like you. You ain't got to be a doper than a drunkard. Yep, man, all you got to do is get good and lost and run to Calvary and let the sweet Holy Ghost of God speak to your heart. You can be saved. Amen. Just when the Savior calls, I'll answer. Just like Samuel in there with Eli, as backslid as he was. Eli had enough discernment knowing that God was talking to him. And the Lord called him. And on the third time, little Samuel said, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And God spoke to him. And he answered, And there he is when the Savior calls. I'll answer when he, when he calls us to go to school. Verse 7, he talks about the disciples. And, and the, anything that we will learn is that a disciple of Christ in our chapter tonight is that God's not going to do what needs to be done until he can get all the glory for it. Four days. It's a stinky situation. I mean, they said, surely he stinketh by now. Four days he's laid dead. 
Well, if he'd have got up on the first day, maybe the doctor could have gotten the credit for it. If he'd have got up on the second or third day, maybe the preacher or prophet could have gotten the credit for it. Amen. But no, it's the fourth day. They'd give up. And now he's in a place where God has to get all the glory. And if there's anything that we need to learn as disciples of Christ, is that God must get all the glory. Every song we sing, every sermon we preach, every track we pass out, every prayer we pray, that God answers He's got to be glorified and magnified that in all things he might have the preeminence and be first in our lives and he must be glorified. Amen Amen or not? That's the lesson that Christ would teach his disciples when he calls us to service and God would call us to preach. But here, here is where I want to preach just for a little while tonight. Mary and Martha, they're upset, they're hurt. They're discouraged. Their brothers died. God didn't come when they thought he ought to have. How many of you have spent as much time as I have telling God how to fix every problem you got? <laughs> come on now. Yeah, really, Lord, I'm broke. Give me $20 million and I'll never ask you for another penny. Somebody asked me one time, said, how do you get all this money raised up for the camp meeting in your ministry? I said, I just go to the richest person I know and ask him for money. And the richest person I know is God. Amen. And so uh, you tell God, this is how you do it, fix all my problems. But no, that ain't how it works. God got something in mind. And so God, Jesus finally comes, and he finally gets there. And Martha goes out to meet him, but Mary sat still in the house. Now, Martha's the worker, Mary's the worshiper. Mary wasn't moving. She sat still in her house, and God calls her from her stillness. She's just in there being still. I don't know if somebody had preached to her along the lines or if she had read where Moses made the statement, be still and know that I am God. I don't know how spiritual she's trying to be. I don't know, or or whatever, but he calls her out of her stillness and she ain't moving. Oh, God shows up and she's sitting there. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but God is calling her out of her stubbornness as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not stubborn. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what your last name is. If it's Stamper, if it's Simpson, if it's Morgan, if it's Reigns, I don't care. Stubbornness runs in the whole human race. And we're stubborn. I mean, to the rotten core, we're stubborn. Ain't nobody going to tell us what to do. Now are they? I got a family member. I love it. I love it. We was going down the road one day, and I said, stop. And my dad, that's who it was. He said, I ain't stopping. And I said, go ahead, run the red light and kill the people in the car in front of us, Dad. And his words, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I said, I'm trying to keep you safe. And then when he seen what was going on, okay, okay, I'll listen to you, son. She's being stubborn. God has decided to move. He's, He's moving in her direction. Don't you like it when the Lord moves in our direction? He didn't go all the way into the house. He's moving. He, he's, he's, he's calling her in her stillness. He's calling her in her stubbornness. He, he comes to this place. Martha goes out to meet him. He stays right there. All the times we prayed, God, would you please move? Would you please move? Would you please move? And then God comes to a certain spot and says, this is as far as I'm going. Why do you think that God wants us to move? We ask God, do it again, Lord, do it again. And maybe God's on his throne saying, why don't you do it again? 
Why don't you pray again? Why don't you repent again? Why don't you rejoice again? Why don't you worship again? Why don't you walk with me again? Why don't you get my glory again? Why don't you do it again? And the whole time the church is saying, do it again, God. And God's looking at the church and say, you do it again. You get back to your first love. You get revival. You get filled again. You make the move toward me again. He's moving in her direction. Then he's he's moving. Well, and this is this is way over my head. It's not where I want to go tonight, but he's moving deep in his heart. He he weeps. And God, Jesus on the inside, is so stirred in his heart and so touched with the hurt of these two sisters that he breaks down and starts weeping himself. He's moving. He's, he's, he's coming to her. And here's where I want to preach at tonight if I don't say anything else. When the Savior calls secretly, our text says, and called Mary, her sister, secretly. Y'all pray for him. Real good that his daddy will get him good and quiet. Amen. Don't let the babies bother you. They all need whippings. Somebody say amen right there. Secret meeting going on in the back tonight. What time and what great time. But it's a secret. It's a call of secrecy. This, 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 this fact that he wanted to talk to her in private. That just blows my mind. I mean that God, no matter what time of the day it is, that God would call on me to steal away where there ain't nobody looking, where there ain't nobody listening, where there ain't nobody watching, and he wants to talk to me in private. This is not a conference call. There is not 50 people with their laptops in their lap uh, dressed with a suit and a tie from here up and the pajamas from here down. Somebody say amen right there. This is between her and God and nobody else. And he wants to talk to her in private. Hey, neighbor, I'm going to tell you right now. When God calls in secrecy, you better respond in secrecy. Calls her in private. He he wanted there are some things God tells us that are never meant to be spoken of. What are some of these things? I I don't know about them. I could tell you some things God's told me in secrecy before, but then it wouldn't be a secret anymore, now would it? Maybe he gives a word of warning. Maybe he gives a word of wisdom. May we use a biblical illustration and talk about Elijah after Jezebel's threatened to kill him and he goes up on the mountain and God puts him in a cave and, and the wind blows and God wasn't in that and the fire falls and God wasn't in that and uh, now I'm getting confused and an earthquake happens and Brother Josh, God wasn't in any of that. Uh, well, wait a minute. The previous chapter, the fire fell. God was in that. Uh, you go to Acts 16 where the Philippian jailer got saved and there's an earthquake. God was in that. You go to John chapter number 3 uh, where uh, where he said the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. God was in that wind blowing. 
and the wind blew when Noah got out of the ark and dried up the ground. The wind blew when they crossed over the Red Sea and dried up that ground. So God's in that wind, but now God's sending a fire and he's sending wind and sending an earthquake that he's not in. What is the lesson he's wanting us to learn? He wants us to learn discernment and realize that the still small voice of God is bigger than anything you can see, anything you can feel. It's what God shouts to the heart of man. I was on 26 coming down the interstate years ago. Holy Spirit, still small voice, told me to get off the interstate. I said, why? He just said, do it. So I did. I went over, pulled in the parking lot, and I said, all right, Lord, I've, I've pulled off the interstate. Here I am. He said, okay, you can get back on the interstate. I said, I felt like a fool. Just to get off the exit, just to get back on. I went five miles down the road. We got on the grade coming down 26th grade and the tractor and trailer truck that I was traveling with right there and had been beside for miles had one of the awfulest wrecks you'd ever seen and if I wouldn't have minded God I'd have been right in the middle of it. I'm telling you the still small voice of God was it your mother Stacy when John locked himself in the refrigerator and the Holy Ghost in the form of the still small voice of God told my mother-in-law to go look in the refrigerator and when she did he fell out almost dead gasping for air it was the still small voice of God that spoke to her and told her where her young son was brother I tell you it's a matter of life and death when the Holy Ghost speaks and God tells you amen you better Listen up and learn to hear the voice of God. That's why we've got to stay in a place of, of cleanliness and holiness. Why? So we can hear the voice of God. He'll tell you, I love it, I love it. When God wakes me up in the night and says, I got a nugget, would you like to have it? Well, I, I, they sang that song, I'm glad I've got a Bible. Boy, when, boy, when God, when God said, I, uh, Brother Simpson can call me up, say, hey, Brother John, I got a nugget, I'll call him up, so what do you think about this? But, but when the Holy Ghost says, I'd like to show you something from the Word, of, you better listen. Because it's a private call. She, it, it's always the Word of worship. But then it was a personal call, it's, it's not a general call. It's just for her personally. It's amazing in a setting like we're in tonight that everyone could sense his presence at the same time, but God would speak to us in a different manner. Well, God would speak to somebody over here about tithing. God would speak to you about missions or preaching. Or God would speak to somebody over here about loving your wife right or getting right with God or simply praying more, passing out tracts, putting somebody on your heart, and uh, somebody over here be getting dead about being saved by the grace of God. Isn't it amazing uh, that God could talk to us all and say at the same time and yet say something different? It was a personal call. It was a call to a particular place. The word place is mentioned in this chapter four times. Yeah, I won't labor them. There was a place of silence. This is what I call the Savior's place of silence. Verse 6, he abode still in the same place, place of silence. Sometimes God don't speak to us. Sometimes bad things happen in our lives and God chooses to remain silent for whatever reason it is. What do you do in those times? You, you have got to choose to trust God. He is sovereign. And you don't have to be a Calvinist to believe in the sovereignty of God. 
I mean, I'm trusting God tonight. I like to run 100 miles an hour. I'd love to be standing on top of the pulpit and we swinging from a chandelier. But God has set an atmosphere in here tonight that I refuse to try to change. Somebody's getting some help from the Word of God. I don't know. Sovereignty is the anchor of a soul. I, I, want, I need to move on. It was a place of the sisters getting some help. It was a place of his a place on. But he calls to a place of prayer. Now her prayer is simply eleven short words. <laughs> Let me read you her prayer. Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. If you'd have just been here. Now we could take that in two ways tonight. Brother, we could take that as that's a praise. That's that's worship. That's adoration. Lord, you're almighty, you're all powerful. Boy, if you'd have just been here, it would have been A okay. That's worship. But that's not the case. This was an accusation. She is angry with her master whether she wants to admit it or not. And don't look up in here and tell me you've never been upset at a decision that God's made in your life. There's been times God's made changes. He's done things in our life. He did not call me and ask me for my permission. He did not call me and ask me for my approval. He did not uh, reach out to my wife and say, I'm fixing to do something in y'all's family, and I want to see how you feel about it. God simply let Lazarus die. God's business. You know the last recorded word of the Apostle Paul that he wrote down was amen. When we can learn to say not to what the devil, not to what the world, not to what sin does, but when we can learn to say amen to everything God sends our way. That's a maturity I wish I could attain to. Her prayer is an accusation. It seems like Brother Nick, that uh, she's taking this personal. You let my brother, did you let my brother, did you let this happen just to be mean to me? I mean, there's going to be times in our lives when we're going to stand back, throw our hands in the air, and just get honest, all right? Drop the plastic, drop the facade. There's going to be times you're going to be just, I, I don't want to say, disappointed in Jesus because I've never been disappointed in Jesus Brewster there's been a few times in my life when I've scratched my head and said Lord what in the world are you doing all I know to do is trust you and your sovereignty all I know to do is accept what you got coming down the line for me all I know to do is just sit here till you move amen Exactly right. Her prayer. She didn't ask God for a miracle. Martha, Martha made a statement. She said, Martha said, I know he should rise again. And she she said, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask God, God will give it thee. That was what Martha said. But Mary, nope. She didn't ask for a miracle. She didn't ask for a resurrection. She didn't say, no, Lord, I know you're all powerful and you're almighty. You think you could throw a dog a bone here for a minute? 
And do you think you could just raise my brother up? Let him, let him, let him be alive for ten minutes. Let us hug him again and just tell him how much we love him. And it, no, Lord, if that's been here, my brother not died. Boy, that's painful, isn't it? Well, you see right through the heart of these girls. But he responded to it. He responded with his tears. Now, it's one thing for me and you to cry, but when God cries, his tears speak a language that, oh my. And our tears, and God bottles up every tear that we have ever shed. Every time you ever cried over that wayward mate, wayward husband, wayward wife, every time that child has broken your heart, you precious mothers homeschooling these kids, my wife and I, we rejoice that we're done with that. I, I hate to be a doomsday prophet, but it don't get any easier. Kindergarten was my favorite grade. Say amen right there. You beat yourself up, call yourself a failure. What am I doing? Raising these kids in a hotel room on the road, doing homeschool in a hotel. You put yourself in my wife's shoes. I wish John would be quiet. <laughs> All he wants to do is play with the kids. He don't want to teach them nothing. <laughs> They're going to have fun and be dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> they don't know how to fish and hunt and ride a four-wheeler and all that, but they dog to fake and read. And you cry. God bottled them tears up. You're crying in the middle of the night. Nobody's looking. God bottles those tears up. But the amazing thing to me, and you need to, if you don't get anything else I say tonight, and I'm going to be done. He responded to her. You know what he did when she accused him like this? Lord, if that's been here, my brother had not died. You know what he did? He wept. And then he resurrected him. How many, how many times you ever been accused? Well, if you'd just been here. Come on now. How many of you women, praise God. Now look up here at me and my God-given eyeballs for a minute. How many of you women ever put your cotton-picking hands on your hips like a, amen, something you wasn't supposed to do, looked at your husband and said, well, if you'd have just been here. And I made sure I made eye contact with every woman in the building so none of you should think he's just picking on me, amen, so I done looked at all of you. Well, if you'd just got me, <laughs> I'm moving on, amen. I gotta, I'm leaving Wednesday morning, and my wife and I are going on our tw 22nd anniversary trip, and I'll be dogged if I'm going to ruin it with one message, amen. <laughs> Come hear me Sunday, Sister Morgan. I'll make up for it, all right? He responded. He gets him up. If you don't get anything else I say, get this. This is what I've been trying to get to all night. He did not respond, Brother Josh, to what he heard. The Bible said, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, he responded to what he saw. If God has ever heard us pray, he saw us. He has saw her weeping. He has saw a broken and a contrite spirit that he will not despise. He has saw her tears. He has saw her uh, heart. He has saw her sincerity. She's not being fake right here. Not one ounce of hypocrisy. He saw her realness. 
This is Mary the worshiper. Just being real. She ain't shouting. She didn't come out there and say, Oh, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. I just want to stand up and give a word, a testimony. That God, hallelujah, has been good to me. I know he's dead, but I'm going to shout anyways. I know he stinks by now, and I'm going to run anyways. And, and let me borrow a phrase from Job while he's sitting in a pile of ashes, discouraged and depressed and defeated as anybody could have been. But yet he said, though he slay me, Still, I'll trust him. Job wasn't shouting when he said it. Am I making any sense at all tonight? He saw her transparency. Nothing fake about her, but rather reality. If he heard our prayer, he had to have seen our hearts. Now, he, 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 she, I love this. She has poured her heart out to him. Eleven words. Well, she didn't have much in her heart. Oh, wait a minute, neighbor. That's a boatload to have in your heart. I mean, do we have to write a commentary every time we express ourselves to God? I mean, I mean, if the youngins, it's like a little kid getting a boo-boo, crying. Coming to dad, I got a boo-boo, where's it at? It's on my knee, well, okay, there we go. Let's get some peroxide, and the rubbing alcohol's going to burn real bad. The mama takes the rubbing alcohol away from you, says peroxide meals for you. Daddy ain't near as tender as mama is. That's why the kids go to mama instead of daddy. Well, in my house anyways, I mean, you might be one of those effeminate sissies that is better at washing dishes and cleaning clothes and all that than your wife is. I mean, oh, come on now. Oh, I hit a stump right there, didn't I? But no, there's the tenderness. She poured her 11-word prayer out to God. 11 words. You could write it. Reading that, you could, you could read in the deep of her heart, you could write a commentary on that phrase. Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not die. She poured her heart out to God. And when she poured her heart out to God, he poured his heart out to her. Ain't that amazing? That God would pour his heart out to us? We're standing all over the building. Father, thank you for the liberty to preach tonight. Thank you for Pastor Stamper. Pray you bless the meeting. Pray you bless this place. Bless Pastor Simpson as he comes and preaches. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.